are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from smittenkitchen.com for baked brie with garlic butter mushrooms. Welcome to the decadent meal I dream about every late December when I want even simple foods to be festive. Yes, I'm seriously making the argument that baked brie should be a dinner dish. Or, if not dinner, maybe a luxe part of it. So perfect for this blustery, celebratory time of year. For dinner, you might eat this with a big green salad and a cup of soup. You might set this out as a side dish with a big roast. You might put it out as part of a party spread, too, an oasis of savory among all the cookies and molten cakes. We start with the garlic butter roasted mushrooms in the archives, the ones that I describe as giving mushrooms the escargot treatment, which to say that they're cooked in a not insignificant amount of butter and garlic, then finished with lemon juice and a shower of parsley, until they're complex and wildly more delicious than it would seem so few ingredients could be. But why stop there? Once you nestle in a small brie or a camembert at the end and let it warm up in the oven, there's no looking back. You're probably going to end up scooping it up again and again onto toasted baguette slices and entirely forgetting to eat dinner. There really are no rules right now, and I say we lean into it. Smitten Kitchen Keepers, which is my third cookbook, has been out for exactly six weeks today, and nothing makes me happier than seeing how many of you are already cooking from it. I know it's been quiet around here while I've hopped around Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, Toronto, Denver, Boulder, oh, I missed her, and even Spartanburg, South Carolina. Busy season continues in the new year with bus book tour stops in Minneapolis next week. 92nd Street Y in New York City, then Austin, Houston, California, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Vancouver, oh, and I added a March date in Columbus, Ohio. All book tour stops and ticketing details are on this page, and I keep it updated as we add new dates, and there's a link at smittenkitchen.com. Here we go, baked brie with garlic butter mushrooms. It kind of looks like escargot surrounding the brie. Beautiful. This serves two to four, takes 45 minutes. Source, Smitten Kitchen. You need one pound of mushrooms, any kind. Here I'm using cremony and oyster. Two tablespoons of capers, drained and chopped. Three large garlic cloves, minced. Two tablespoons of vegetable oil. One teaspoon of kosher salt. I'm using diamond. Use half of other brands. Freshly ground black pepper. Three tablespoons of cold, unsalted butter, cut into pieces. Juice of half a lemon. One quarter cup of chopped flat leaf parsley. Eight ounce wheel of brie or camembert. A few sprigs of thyme, this is optional. And toasted baguette slices. Heat oven to 450 degrees Fahrenheit. In a two quart baking dish, toss mushrooms with capers, garlic, oil, salt, and many grinds of pepper. Dot with butter and roast, turning over once until mushrooms are more deeply browned and a bubbly garlic sauce begins to form below 15 minutes. 
While the mushrooms roast, trim the top off your brie with a sharp knife. It's totally edible, but this makes it easier to dip into when warm. Make space in the center of the mushrooms and nestle in the brie and top with thyme if you're using. Return it to the oven for 10 minutes until the brie is warm and loose, adding more minutes if needed. Squeeze lemon juice and scatter parsley over mushrooms. Arrange baguette slices around the brie and mushrooms and place a small spoon um, in the brie and a larger spoon in the mushrooms. Serve immediately, swooping brie and scooping mushrooms and their juices on the toasty bread. Notes. I usually use cremony mushrooms, but I had a few oyster mushrooms too and tore them in and you should use whatever you have around. You didn't ask, but my favorite place to buy cremony, shiitake, and oyster mushrooms in New York City is in the Bulik Mushroom Stand at the Union Square Green Market. They're usually on the north end on Wednesdays and Saturdays. The prices are reasonable and the quality impeccable each time. Yes, there are capers in here, and you're about to tell me you hate capers and ask what else you can use. I'd use anchovies. If you're about to tell me you don't like anchovies either, I'm going to suggest that you might just not like briny things, and that's okay, you can skip it. Nobody has ever complained about mushrooms merely roasted in garlic butter, but I insist that the capers add an amazing nuance here. The mushroom portion of this dish is adapted from the late Gourmet Magazine. You can also find the garlic butter roasted mushrooms in the archives here, and again, a link at smittenkitchen.com. Next, we're going to have a recipe for rigatoni with eggplant puree. I'm personally a big eggplant fan, so I have two eggplant recipes today. Seeing as I am never short of opinions on anything, most especially when it comes to the many Food Network chefs that so often grace my television set, Alex calls the Sunday New Time shows my stories, I can't believe I haven't said a single word about guiada. Let me redress that right now. I really want to like her, and no, not in the way that my husband might. Busted. I'll see her cooking something, and it always looks pretty good and like it could be tasty, but I so rarely feel the need to make it myself because I'm not convinced that, say, adding mint to a basil pesto is going to make it more interesting or that adding crushed almond cookies to an ice cream sundae for an authentic Italian flavor is any of the things described. Does this actually improve it or, or just make it different? But three times lately, I saw her making dishes that was too curious not to make, most recently in the format of a fairly effortless pasta sauce from roasted vegetables, and ended up with, well, the absolute ugliest pasta dish to have yet graced the smitten kitchen. Pureed eggplant is never going to win a beauty contest. Actually, the word puree is kind of it too, right? It just sounds like baby food, but fortunately it tastes a lot better. And there's some beautiful photos of her making this dish with uh, lovely cherry tomatoes and some basil and beautiful reds and greens, really pretty. To make this, you roast eggplant with cherry tomatoes, whole garlic cloves, salt, pepper, and red pepper flakes before pureeing it with more oil, fresh mint, but I also like this with basil, and a lot of pasta water to make a sauce that is mixed with Parmesan, though this could easily be skipped if you want to make it vegan. The pasta is topped with toasted pine nuts. If you like these ingredients, I'm sure you're drooling right now, 
The recipe is simple and fairly quick, and the resulting dish was hearty and original. I'd worried that the flavor would be flat, but it was well-seasoned and anything but, and I was glad I'd overcome my skepticism to try it. Now, who wants to hedge bets on that short rib tagliatelle? Here we go for rigatoni with eggplant puree. This serves six, takes one hour, and it's adapted from Giada de Laurentiis. The first time I made this, I found my out-of-season, underwhelming eggplant to be a total sponge. I had to keep adding pasta water to get it saucy. But in the time since, I've not had this experience repeated, possibly helped by the fact that I now just make it in the late summer when I can get eggplants and cherry tomatoes in season, and only a splash or two of pasta cooking water are needed. These days, I like to cook the pasta with the sauce for a minute or two so it better adheres and so you don't make an Italian nona cry. And while it's still excellent with Parmesan, I like it even more with ricotta salata grated on top. I also use basil instead of mint. Both work, so just use what you prefer. This recipe was fully refreshed with new notes and photos in September 2017. You'll need one medium eggplant cut into one inch cubes, one pint or two cups of cherry tomatoes, three cloves of garlic peeled, three tablespoons of olive oil, one teaspoon kosher salt, one teaspoon freshly ground black pepper, one teaspoon of red pepper flakes, adjust to taste, one pound of dried rigatoni pasta, one quarter cup of torn fresh mint or basil leaves, plus a couple extra slivered to finish, three tablespoons of olive oil, one half cup of grated Parmesan, or shown here in the pictures, ricotta salata, one quarter cup of toasted pine nuts. You're going to heat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit and line a large baking sheet with parchment paper. In a large bowl, combine the eggplant, cherry tomatoes, garlic, three tablespoons olive oil, salt, pepper, and red pepper flakes to taste. Spread the vegetables out in an even layer on the baking sheet and roast in the oven until the vegetables are tender and the eggplant is golden, about 35 minutes. Meanwhile, bring a large pot of salted water to a boil over high heat. Add the pasta and cook until tender, but a full minute shy of done, about 8 to 10 minutes. Drain the pasta, but reserve a cup or so of the cooking water. Then you're going to transfer the roasted vegetables. I use the parchment paper as a sling to a food processor or a blender. Add the torn mint or basil leaves and an additional 3 tablespoons of olive oil and blend until almost smooth. Return the pasta to the cooking pot, pour sauce over it, and a splash, about a third cup of the cooking water, and cook together, tossing so that the pasta is evenly coated over medium-high heat for one to two minutes. Add more pasta cooking water, one ladleful at a time as needed, if you need it to loosen the sauce. Transfer the pasta and sauce to a serving bowl, Garnish with extra herbs, pine nuts, and parmesan, or ricotta salata, and serve. I'm just going to get right to my second eggplant dish. <laughs> this one's more like a little snack. Um, you'll find out. It's eggplant parmesan melts. A thing I have learned over the last 10 years 
here is that people have fairly bifurcated opinions of eggplant. Some find it to be the greatest, especially when it's at its most eggplanty. Others don't care what you do with it. They're never going to be converted. But even the most eggplant equivocal agree on one thing. Eggplant Parmesan is the bee's knees. I am, however, the one that's ambivalent about it. To take beautiful coins of eggplants and batter and fry them to a profound and well-seasoned golden crisp, just to bury them in texture-killing amounts of sauce and melted cheese, feels wrong to me. Disrespectful of the labor involved and calories embedded in gloriously deep-fried foods. I feel the same way about fries smothered in sauces and gravies, so go ahead and unfollow me now. But all of these concerns go out the window when making a sub, however, which is what we call hoagies, heroes, grinders, and my half of New Jersey growing up. The eggplant parm sub is in a way too small category of great vegetarian sandwiches, and I don't know when they went out of style, but I don't see them around very often anymore. The eggplant's texture is less compromised than it gets in casserole form, and so much extra from a seeded roll, it must be seeded, don't even ask. I find you can make compromises with the eggplant itself, baking instead of frying breaded eggplant or roasting coins without breading at all, and feel like you're not missing a thing. Not that we made any compromises on Friday night. Nope, I did the whole shebang, the panko, the skillet of olive oil, the good bread, and it might have been gloriously over the top, save for one thing, the top slice of bread. By doing away with the sub-sealing, the sub becomes a blistered, unbelievably, and totally unsoggy melt, and yet somehow not so heavy that you immediately need a nap. If you have even the smallest smidgen of a doubt over whether you should make these this week, close your browser now, because you can't just have a recipe like this across your screen with friends, family members, roommates around, and not expect them to start offering off <laughs> favors in exchange for you to bring it to life. So here we go. Eggplant Parmesan melts. Servings, 12 small melts, serving four to six people. You can cook the eggplant one of three ways, all listed below. Breaded and fried, breaded and baked, or baked without breading. If without breading, of course, skip the flour, eggs, and panko dredging steps. For the eggplant, you'll need two pounds of eggplant, and that's about two medium eggplants, one half cup of all-purpose flour, kosher salt, freshly ground black pepper, three large eggs, two and a half cups of panko bread crumbs, olive oil for baking, roasting, or frying. For the sauce, you'll need three and a half cups of prepared sauce, or the following ingredients to make your own. One tablespoon of olive oil or frying oil, two garlic cloves minced, one 28 ounce can of tomato puree, one teaspoon of dried oregano, salt and freshly ground black pepper to taste, pinches of red pepper flakes to taste, and two tablespoons of chopped fresh basil plus more to garnish. As far as the assembly, you're going to need about a one-pound loaf of seeded Italian bread or baguette, three-quarters cup of grated Parmesan, and three-quarters cup of mozzarella in thin slices. Cook the eggplant, and then trim the eggplant and cut into one-quarter-inch slices. 
To bread and bake or fry, you're going to set up three wide deep bowls on your counter, one with flour, one with the three eggs, and one with the breadcrumbs. Season the flour very heavily, at least a teaspoon of kosher salt and many grinds of black pepper, and stir to combine. Beat the eggs until combined. Dip each slice of eggplant in the flour, tapping off the excess, and then the egg letting excess drip off, and then the breadcrumbs, packing them on. To make breaded eggplant, you're going to heat your oven to 400 degrees, place two racks, such as a metal cooling rack for cookies, over two large baking sheets, and brush or spray them with olive oil. Arrange breaded eggplant slices in one layer on racks, season well with salt and pepper, and bake for 20 minutes on the first side and 15 on the second until the edges are crisp and the eggplant is soft inside. Then set this aside. To fry the breaded eggplant, you're going to heat a large skillet with one half inch of olive oil over medium to medium high heat. If you're feeling stingy with a good olive oil, use half olive oil and half of another good oil for frying, such as sunflower, safflower, vegetable, grapeseed, or canola. Most restaurants do this. Once it's hot enough that a droplet of water hisses and spatters when added to the oil, fry the breaded eggplant a few slices at a time until golden underneath, about three to four minutes. Then flip and cook until browned on the second side, about two to three minutes more. Drain on paper towels and immediately, while they're still very hot, season with salt and pepper, and then repeat with the remaining slices. To roast unbreaded eggplant, you're going to brush two large baking sheets with a couple of tablespoons of olive oil and then arrange eggplant slices in one layer and season well with salt and pepper. Roast for 15 to 20 minutes and then carefully flip each piece. The undersides should be blistery, dark, and a bit puffy and should release from the pan with no effort. If they're not, let it cook longer. Once they're flipped, sprinkle them with additional salt and freshly ground black pepper and return the pan to the oven for another 10 to 15 minutes or so until the undersides match the tops. Meanwhile, make the sauce. Heat one tablespoon of olive oil in a large frying pan over medium heat, and once hot, add garlic and cook for one minute until faintly golden. Add tomato puree, which is going to sputter and splash, so step back. Season with salt, black pepper, pepper flakes, and stir in oregano. Simmer, stirring from time to time for 15 minutes. Assemble the melts and heat the broiler. And you're going to split the bread in half and briefly run it under the broiler just to lightly toast it so that the sauce doesn't make it soggy. Split each bread half into six smaller toasts and arrange on one to two large baking sheets that have been lined with foil. Spread a little prepared sauce over each toast and sprinkle with some of the Parmesan. Add a few eggplant slices to each, fanning them out. Um, top with more sauce uh, to taste, but not so much that the eggplant is drenched. Parmesan, and then place a slice or so of mozzarella over the top of each enough that when it melts it should drape down easily. Run trays of melts under the broiler until the cheese on top is melted and blistery. It'll be about five, month, five minutes in my oven, but possibly more or less in yours, so please keep an eye on it. And then you're going to garnish with additional basil and dig in. 
Our next recipe is from goop.com for something called, hopefully I pronounce this right, breakfast congee with egg, avocado, and scallion. Looks really good. I'm always trying to find new breakfast recipes. Um, Congee, also known as juke, is a deeply satisfying savory rice porridge found throughout Asia and a lush answer for those who crave a warm, creamy breakfast or any time meal that isn't sweet. I've learned to lean on this dish because it's nourishing and easy to make and infinitely adaptable. Cooking the rice in broth builds flavor right in, leaving you free to keep the toppings simple, butter and salt, or go all out with pulled pork, fresh ginger, wild mushrooms, or more. So this serves four, and you're going to need three quarters cups of long grain white rice, four cups of chicken or pork broth, one tablespoon of grated peeled fresh ginger, one pinch of fine sea salt, four large eggs fried or soft boiled, one avocado peeled and sliced, two or three scallions green and white parts thinly sliced, and chili oil for serving. You're going to soak the rice in water for 15 minutes and then rinse until the water runs clear. Then drain that. Combine the rice, broth, ginger, and salt in the inner pot of the pressure cooker. Pressure cook on high pressure for 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the texture that you want. The longer that you cook the rice, the creamier it will become. Let the pressure release naturally. It'll take about 10 minutes. Then leave the cooker on uh, the keep warm setting until you're ready to serve. Open the lid. Spoon the porridge into bowls and stir and serve steaming hot, topped with eggs, avocado, and scallions. And drizzle with the chili oil if you're using or with any other toppings that you desired. In order to get a head start, um, porridge is the perfect candidate for using your pressure cooker's timer setting. Program the timer at night using the delay start so that you can wake up to some creamy and literally instant porridge the next morning. You can do the same thing in most modern rice cookers or multi-cookers using the timer and the porridge setting. For the slow cooker, you're going to butter the interior of a slow cooker. Grains and porridges tend to stick. And cook the congee on low for four hours. Next, we've got a recipe for another breakfast from Goop.com. This one, sweet potato and goat cheese frittata. This savory combination of sweet potatoes, shallots, thyme, and goat cheese is perfect for wintertime. A great breakfast dish for a crowd. A tip on this one, use the extra egg whites for added protein. This makes four. You're going to need one half of a sweet potato peeled, about a quarter of a pound, one tablespoon of butter, one tablespoon of olive oil, three shallots, thinly sliced, nearly a cup, one tablespoon of fresh thyme, minced, plus a pinch extra, coarse sea salt, freshly ground black pepper, six eggs, one half cup of soy milk or regular milk, two ounces of goat cheese crumbled, that's about a third of a cup. You're going to preheat your oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit and steam the sweet potato until barely tender. It'll take about 15 minutes. Cut the sweet potato into thin rounds. You should have about 12 slices. Heat the butter and olive oil over medium heat in a 10-inch cast iron skillet. 
Saute the shallots and the tablespoons of thyme for about six minutes or until soft and just barely browned. Push the shallots to the side of the pan and add the sweet potato slices. Let them brown on both sides, about two minutes per side, and season with plenty of salt and freshly ground black pepper. Meanwhile, you're going to beat the eggs and milk in a mixing bowl. Remove half of the sweet potato and shallot mixture to a plate and add half the egg mixture to the pan and distribute the reserved sweet potatoes and shallots over them. Add the remaining egg mixture. Dot the top with the goat cheese, the pinch of thyme, and a nice grind or two of black pepper. And let it cook for about five minutes on the stovetop or until just set on the edges. It will still be very runny in the middle. Stick it in the oven for exactly eight minutes and it should be just set throughout. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.